Um, book of Isaiah, chapter 6. If you could turn there, book of Isaiah. And when you get there, say amen. We're about to enter into another year. We're about to enter into a new decade. Um, how many of you know that God has been faithful to us this last decade? You know, you think about um, coming in, in, in 2010. You think about where you were at in 2010, and now we're going into 2020. And all the things that God's done, and many of us, we got hit with all kinds of trials. We went through some storms in this last decade. Maybe you, you lost a loved one. Maybe your health. Maybe something personal took place. But now as we're sitting here in church, about just a couple days away from 2020, we can say without a doubt that God has been faithful, that God has kept us, that God has gave us his grace and his strength, that no matter what the situation is, that God's grace is more than enough to get us through and get us to his destination that he has for our life. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to tell them God has a destination for you in 2020. And I want you to turn to your... Your other neighbor and say, God's word is going to lead us to that destination. Amen. So in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says this, In the, the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were Zeraphims, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Verse 5, I love Isaiah's response. He goes, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the Zeraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tong, with the tongue from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. This morning, this is an amazing text of, of what's taking place inside of Uzziah's life. The, just the, the, the vision that he's seen uh, of what God, God in all his glory was going on up there in the temple. And then all of a sudden he's seen who he was. Because how many of us know that when we see who God is, God reveals who we are. And the only way that you and I will get to the places that God has for us in this next decade for our marriage, for our children, for your grandchildren, for the calling that God has over your life, you and I are going to have to let go of the old self of 2019 and say, God, I want to be the person you've called me to be. I need a transformation inside of my heart. Because the reality is this, is every year we make, you know, New Year's resolutions, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, get out of debt, and I'm going to pay off all my high-interest credit cards, and I'm going to stop eating at, you know, at, uh, you know, Wiener Schnitzel, <laughs> or, or the hat, or, you know, Jack in the Box. We say all these things that we're going to do, and then by February, we're after Sunday service, where are we back at? <laughs> we are back at Wiener Schnitzel. 
we are back at, you know, we're, we, we're back to going to the, res, the, the resolutions. They end right about that time. But only true and lasting change comes when you and I have a heart transplant from the Most High, Jesus Christ. That's how change takes place inside of our life. It's not by willpower. It's by God's power. It's not in our own strength. It's in God's transforming power and work that he can do inside of our life. And maybe you're here today. It's your very first time. You've never heard this message before. I want to say today, if you will surrender your life to Jesus Christ, your life will never be the same. When you're born again, what, is, what happens? There's a heart transplant that takes place inside of our life. All of a sudden, we were an old creation. Now we become a new creation. All the old's gone. Behold, the new has become inside of our life and inside of our heart. It's all about our perspective a perspective that God can change and shape when you and I are in that place that's high. All of a sudden, Isaiah was down, you know, in, in the mundane. He's down with his friends, and all of a sudden, he gets transported to a high place, and all of a sudden, he sees things differently. He sees things from God's perspective instead of his perspective. How many of us know that our perspective can hinder us from seeing what God sees? You know, the Bible commands us to have the mind of Christ, but when you and I are, are worried, are, are you and I are facing a heartache or you and I are, are, are facing certain things in our life, we can lose the mind of Christ. We can lose the heavenly perspective. Like right now, I'm looking down at you guys. You guys are looking up at me. I have a, right now I have a higher perspective than you. In about 20 minutes, I'm going to be down at the same level as you. And another example of that is this, is this Friday night, I went to go pick up my kids from uh, Jim's house for the youth party. So I was there picking up my kids. They're about to leave. It's about 9, 10 o'clock in the night. We're leaving. And all of a sudden, they're driving down this big hill. He lives on a city upon a hill. As we were leaving, as we were leaving that place, there was beautiful, you could see all Alley County. It looked beautiful. And I said, my, I told my kids, look at this is a higher perspective. You can see things clearly up here. It's beautiful. It looks beautiful. And when you and I get God's perspective, we see things from on top. We see things from above. And many times we get frustrated and we get angry because we're seeing things from everything we're seeing. We're seeing from down here. We're seeing from, you know, this perspective or, you know, doubt and unbelief and, and the flesh and the carnal nature of us. But when you and I get into the presence of God, as Isaiah did, all of a sudden he began to see God for who he is and he had a different perspective. The only way that you and I enter into our destiny is we got to let the perspective of 2019 stay in 2019 and say, God, I want 2020 vision in 2020. I want your perspective. I want what you have for my life. And I want to tell you today, some things, this is bad news, it's bad news, okay, really bad news, but it's actually really good news. Something has to die. We're going on a 21-day fast, church. Starts next Sunday. Something's going to die. If you're doing the Daniel fast or you're doing a partial fast or you're doing a media fast, whatever fast you're going to be partaking in, something's going to die that something might come alive. And what comes alive is going to be a lot better than the thing that had died. But the Bible says in our text, it says, the year that King Uzziah died. Now, Uzziah, you study him in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Uzziah was a man that God had used in a mighty way. He became king when he was only 16 years old. He was an innovator. He was an entrepreneur. He was very well known. He had victory everywhere he went. And Uzziah was under the leadership of a prophet named Zechariah. As long as Zechariah was alive, 
Uzziah was being taught. Uzziah was, you know, staying in, in, in check. Uzziah was being that man that God had called him to be. And the Bible says that Uzziah prospered and that his fame grew, and they became very successful. How many of us know that when we seek God, when we seek God, God brings prosperity in our life. God brings blessing in our life. God brings favor inside of our life. All these things take place when you and I are seeking the Lord with all of our heart and all of our soul. And the Bible says that Zechariah died, and when Zechariah died, all of a sudden, Uzziah began to take things in his own hand. The Bible says that he began to get proud and, and puffed up. And what happened at the end of his life is one day he went into the temple just as Isaiah was in the temple. And the Bible says that he went into the temple and he grabbed uh, the incense that the priest would offer um, to the Lord. When, uh, when they would offer this, this incense to the Lord, it was only for the priest to touch. No one else could touch it. But all of a sudden, Uzziah ran in there, and he took those incense. He began to offer it to the Lord, and the priest ran in. The priest said, Uzziah, we know you're the king, but you're not above the law. You cannot do this. Let go of that. You need to have humility. You need to, you need to listen to what we're saying. And the Bible said that Uzziah began to yell at the priest. They began to get in an argument in front of the whole church. How many know you don't want to get in an argument at church with your wife or with your kids? Say, let's, let's talk at home. <laughs> so this argument took place, and the Bible says as Uzziah was arguing with the priests that he was smitten with leprosy right then at that moment, that the wrath of God broke out on him. He went, and he lived the rest of his life as a leper. Now, the lesson here from Uzziah that you and I learn is that Uzziah was a man who prospered when he sought the Lord, when he had a teachable spirit. Now, a teachable spirit is something that is the opposite to uh, being, having a proud spirit, which thinks that you're better than others, or thinks that, you know, I, I, all these successes warrant me to act this way, or to, to maybe all this money, or, or the job that I have, or the degree that I have, no one can teach me anything. No, regardless of your successes, whether it be in your education, or in your, in your finances, or in your, 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 your prestige, you and I, we always must have, we must foster a teachable spirit. Right now, some of you are saying, you know what, I don't receive any of what you're saying. And let me say this, Uzziah, he was successful. He was prospering. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that after, after that success, he began to get proud and you know, you know what pride always does? Pride always lifts us up above others. Like you say, you know what? Um, you have a, a, you know, you have a 55-inch TV screen. I, I have a 65-inch TV screen. I got an 84-inch TV screen. Or, or you know, I just, I just got the newest, you know, whatever this and that. And you begin to look down on others, and you begin to say, you know what? I, I'm more blessed than others. And this, that's, that's a very, very, you got to be careful with that mindset. Okay, so let me say this. Let me say this, every single one of us have a Uzziah in our heart. Every single one of us. There is that pride that wants to rise up and lose that teachable spirit that God wants us to have and foster inside of our life. Every single one of us here. But when you have that teachable spirit, what you're doing is you're putting death to death, Uzziah, inside of your life. And the Bible says that when Uzziah died, all of a sudden, Isaiah's perspective of God changed. Now he saw the Lord 
high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filling the temple, he saw God in the fullness and clarity. See, when you and I say, God, I come to you humbly, like this 21-day fast, you're saying, God, I need you. God, I need to seek you. I, I, I need your help. I need your guidance. You know what fasting is? It's humbling yourself before the Lord. Humbling yourself before the Lord. And what takes place is that when we humble ourselves, God's able to what? Keep you humble? Keep you down? Yes, keep you humble. But you know what God does to the humble? Guess what he does? He gives you favor and he lifts you up. He lifts you up. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, it says, In the same way you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. You need to listen to your parents. You need to listen to uh, your teachers. You need to listen to your pastors. You need to have a teachable spirit. That's what he's saying. And the Bible says, And all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. I don't know about you, but how many of you want the favor of God just flowing over your life? You just want God's favor flowing over your life. God shows favor to the humble. He says this, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. I mean, that's amazing. God's going to give you favor. God's going to give you prosperity. God's going to give you an anointing. God's going to give you clarity. God's going to give you all these things if you have a humble heart. Amen. 2020, let's have a humble heart. Let's have a heart unto the Lord. Say, God, I'm going to be humble to you. See, when you and I have that teachable spirit, it gives direction inside of our life. Have you ever been with your husband and, and you're lost and your wife says, hey, ask for directions. You're like, no, I know. I'm going to find it. I know where I'm going. And you're, you know, you're, you're driving for two more hours, wasting all that gas. <laughs> humility would have saved you a lot of gas that day. What humility does inside of our life, the Bible says, whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Proverbs 12, 1. That's pretty cut and dry. Now, John Wooden, one of the greatest coaches of all time, the UCLA Bruins coach, um, ESPN and Sports Illustrated College coach Wooden, the greatest coach of the 20th century. His stats bear that out. In 40 years um, of coaching, he compiled a, an amazing winning record that spanned 27 years, including four 30-0 and 0 seasons where they lost no games. He's one of only two players enshrined, enshrined in the Basketball Hall of Fame as both a player and a coach. What researchers have found when they researched John, John's life, Mr. Wooden's life, is they found that all of the reporters and all the people who documented his life, they found one key that they believed was his, his success, and that was his humility. His humility. This morning... Humility is a key that will open doors to your life that pride will shut right before you. Humility is a key that will open you up to places you, th you thought you could never go. Because God, he honors those who are humble. It's something that we must teach to our kids. It's something that we must teach to those who are under us. It's something that we must foster at home. It's something that we must foster as ministry leaders, as, as wherever God places, we must show a humble spirit. I like what John Wooden said. He says, talent is God-given, be humble. Fame is man-given, be grateful. Conceit is self-given, be careful. Be careful. There's a story. George Washington Carver one day um, there at his university. Um, 
and, and, and there, and he's there, and all of a sudden, you know, in the 1800s, George Washington Carver was an African-American man. And one day, one of the students came. They didn't know who he was. And he was there outside of the door of his university. And the, the, the student there said, take my bags inside. And what he did was he said, okay. He picked up the, they didn't even know, they didn't know he was the professor. He picked it up. He walked to, to his, opened the door to university. He put his bags, the, the young man's bags down. The young man said, where's George Washington, where's Professor Carver at? He goes, I'm him. And the student was taken, taken back. Was, and what the people seen there, they seen this man's humility demonstrated in action. And I want to tell you that when the world sees humble Christians, when, he, when a, 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 the world sees humility in action, what it does is it lifts up the name of Jesus. It lifts up the name of the Lord. It, it's a great testimony to those who are around us because our world, what is, it, what is it known for? It's known for pride. It's known for how much people adore you, how much followers you may have, or how much money you have, or how much uh, views you had on your YouTube channel. That's what the world looks at. That's not what God looks at. God looks at the heart. God looks at, at the humble spirit. And you know what? I, I want to tell you that God is able to reward those who are humble. If, if you're here today, how many of you know Uzziah is always constantly hitting our heart, always constantly saying, you know, to lift yourself up. You know what? Uzziah has to die. That God's name can be lifted on high. On high. Lift his name on high. And what does he do? He draws all men unto him. That's our calling inside of life, that we lift up the name of Jesus, right? Um, okay, so the next point is this. Is a revelation of who God is reveals who we are. The Bible says in verse 2, Above him were the Zeraphim, each with six wings, and, and two wings they covered their faces, and two weeks they covered their feet, and with two they, covered, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy Holy, holy. Is the Lord Almighty, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the sound of their voices, and the doorposts, and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Imagine the Lord in his glory set down inside the temple, and his train is full. It was all the way across the whole temple. It was full of his train, the glory of the Lord. And all of a sudden, they see these creatures up there. They're praising the Lord. They're saying, holy, holy, holy. That's the only time in Scripture where one of the attributes of God is named three times in succession. Where God say, God's Word is saying that he is holy, holy, holy. We know that God is love, but you never find God is love, love, love. We know that God is faithful, but you never find God is faithful, faithful, faithful. We know that God, that God is a God of justice, but we never find God is justice, Justice, justice. Only in this attribute of God is named three times that God is called holy, holy, holy. And what does he command us to do? Does he command us to live unholy lives? No. He commands us to be like him. The Bible says in the book of Leviticus, chapter 11, verse 45, he says, For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Why don't we say that as a church? Okay, I'll say the first four words or three words, and you follow after me. Say these words. For I am the Lord... Who brought you up out the land of Egypt so that I would be your God. And this is the part I want you to say the loudest. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. 
Wow. Now, how does holiness translate to life today in 2020? Holiness affects every single part of our life, and the only way you could enter into your destiny, I could enter into my destiny, is through holiness. There's no other way. The only way I could enter into the place that God has for me, and the only place you could enter into the place that God has for you, you have to enter into that place with holiness, with righteousness inside of your life. Now, the Bible says that holiness, it uh, talks about holiness in the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, verse 8. It says, and there will be a highway called the way of holiness, and the unclean will not travel on it. Now, if you study the NLT the, on this verse, it says the evil-minded person cannot travel on it. Holiness has a lot to do with our thought life. Because our thought life, you know, we know that our heart affects our thoughts. Our thoughts affect our words. Our words affect our actions. So holiness has to do with our walk. Everyone say walk. Our talk and our thoughts. Now you say, how can I live a holy life? Why should I live a holy life? God commands it and God will bless it. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, this is a message to a young man living in a very wicked city, the city of Ephesus, where there's rampant prostitution. Everything that you can imagine was taking, taking place inside of this place. And God, through the, through the uh, Apostle Paul, he tells Timothy these words. He says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Okay. So now purity. Purity in, in this text, is, it's relating to um, sexuality. It's relating to uh, living a, a chaste life, a, a life, you know, Paul, he constantly tells Timothy, look at the older women as mothers, not as cougars. Some of you guys got that. Okay. He says, look at your, the younger women in the church as sisters. With absolute purity. He says, with absolute purity. Now, we could even translate that for the women. Right, men? You women, look at the older men as men of God, as fathers. You women, look at the other men as brothers with absolute purity. Don't be trying to say, hey, you want to come over and read my glow-in-the-dark Bible, you know, all alone. You know, I've been reading through the book of Numbers, and I notice I haven't had yours yet. Um, do you want to deep, do you know, talk about the, the deep facets of the Song of Solomon together? There's no holiness there. So holiness is not talking about, you know, wearing, having this big old King James Bible. It's not about Christianese because there's people that can really spit Christianity like they know like, what they're talking about. It's not about any of that. It's about this. Amen. Holiness is about this. It's about this. Heart right here. Like, for example, maybe you're here today, and if you've ever had, like, a, maybe a wound, and, and maybe it's infected, and you have a wound on your body, and you're at church, and, and no one could see the wound, but if you, they seen who you are with your, you know, with your jacket off, they would see that infected wound. And that's what an unholy life is. You know, we could come to church and act like, you know, you know, I'm in ministry, and, you know, I got everything together, and we could be living a scandalous life in our thoughts. We could be living far away from the Lord, and you're not going to enter into your destiny. You're going to have more of 2019 up ahead for you. See, sexual purity, what it is is this. God, he defines it as holy matrimony between one man and one woman 
in the covenant of marriage for the lifetime. And this, it's a beautiful thing, and, and, and our culture has redefined it. Our kids are growing up in a culture that doesn't honor it. Our kids are growing up in a time where it's laughed about. Like, they make us look like, what are you even talking about? But God has defined it. God has decreed it. God has made it. And anything outside of it, whether it be pornography or homosexuality or masturbation or adultery or fornication or anything like that, that's unholy. And the only thing that is holy is when one man and one woman in the covenant of marriage say, God, I'm going to honor you and I'm going to honor this, my spouse for my whole life. And there's blessing in that. Now, let me say this. If you're here today and you're in a battle and you've been facing this battle, I want to say God wants to bring freedom and healing inside of your life. Now, freedom and healing is something, you know, you go to the doctors, you have this, this, this boil on you, you have, you're, you're, you're sick, or you need, uh, you need some type of cleansing. What do they do? They begin to clean it out. Is it, does it feel good? No. Is it painful? Yes. Does it save your life? Yes, it does. It does save your life. And I believe today there's some people that God, he wants to cleanse you for 2020. He wants to cleanse you. He wants you to step into your destiny He's a holy God. He's a holy God. And he wants to give you cleansing. He wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring healing because that's the God that we serve. He wants to bring the balm of Gilead upon the top of your head to the soles of your feet where all of a sudden you walk in freedom. Does that mean you have no temptation? No. We will all face temptation. The Bible says that. But you will have victory over those temptations. Why? Because God is faithful to make a door of escape for you that you can run out and say, God, I'm running to you, God. I'm running to you. What is this going to do for you? It's going to bless your marriage. It's going to bless your marriage. What is it going to do? It's going to bless your children. It's going to bless your grandchildren. It's going to bless you when you get married. For those who are single, you say, oh, I'm single. I can live any way I want. No, that's a big lie from the devil. You can't live any way you want. Why? Because you'll destroy what God wants to do inside of your life, inside of your destiny. You're single. You should live in, in a greater reverence to God, saying, God, I want to be holy. I want to be chaste. And you, maybe you're here today you say, man, Pastor Dan, I've made, I've made mistakes. I, my thought life's not where I need to be. My heart's not where I need to be. Today's the day you could come up to this altar and say, God, I want your healing. I want your power. I want, Lord God, Lord, to be set free by your anointing and your strength inside of my life. Or you could just leave these doors and go out the same person you were. And get more of the same. Or you can say, God, I'm going to let Uzziah die. I'm going to humble myself before your mighty hand that I might be healed. The Bible says in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 16. When you get there, say amen. Book of James. The Bible says these words. It says, therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. When you and I confess and bring accountability inside of our life, whether we confess it to a pastor, a leader, your spouse, your parents, 
what God's able to do is that when an enemy is exposed, the enemy is defeated. God's able to bring healing. God's able to bring accountability. Now you're not fighting this battle by yourself. You're fighting it with God's army. God's able to bring strength. God's able to bring restoration. God's able to bring his promises to pass inside of our life. If you're here today and you're fighting it alone, I want to say God wants to give you his strength. The worship team can make their way up here for the final point. 2020 vision. 2020 vision up ahead. What does God have? What is God going to do? This Tuesday night, our senior pastor is going to be vision casting at the conclusion of our service. Last year, we had a meeting. We were talking about our vision for 2019. And just looking at all the things that God has done. I mean, blessing upon blessing upon blessing, I, I, I think. In May, when we got our new website, Daniel Marquez, Andrea Martinez, Eric Gonzalez, Pastor Ruben really helped out big time on that project. You look at our church today, you look at the signs, you look at what we're going to do next year in the building renovation. And on Friday, I talked to pastors, said, pastor, what's your vision for 2020? He told me, and I was blown away. I was telling my wife about it yesterday, but I'm going to let him tell you on Tuesday. But to see what God's doing even now, it's amazing. God has been faithful all this year. And we're stepping into something new just next Sunday. We're going to have a 21-day fast. Some of you are saying, Pastor Danny, I feel sorry for you. You know what I'm going to say to you? I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for you. And let me say why. Because when you fast, God removes all the clutter. He removes all the clutter. And he brings healing very fast. He brings healing very fast. He brings finances. Yes. He, God always brings finances every time I fast. Man, he brings it in. He's faithful. He brings divine downloads. Yes, he does do that too. But the Bible says in Isaiah 58 verse 9, it says, Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. This is talking about fasting God's way. It says, your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then you will call and the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will answer quickly. Now, next Sunday, some of us are going to be doing the Daniel fast where we eat fruits and vegetables and drink water and juice. Some of you may be doing the partial fast where you fast maybe breakfast or, or lunch. Some of you maybe do just water where you do 21 days we're just fasting. But we're going to come together as a church and we're going to say, God, we want to hear your voice for our church these next 21 days. We want, God, your word. We want your name lifted up. We want you, God, to bring revival. We want to find your mind 
for 2020, not only 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, 2030. God, what do you have for this decade inside of our life? Some of you are going to see your kids married. Some of you are going to see God raise you up and send you out. Some of you are going to see God do tremendous things. Some of you are going to see God fill every chair in this building to capacity. Some of you are going to see God's faithfulness time and time again. And regardless of whatever we face in this decade, we know that he's going to be faithful. We know that he's going to see us through. We know that he has us. He got us. He's with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Anticipation is building. It's stirring. Finding the mind of God, the voice of God for our life as a church. But you know what this fast is going to do? Not only for the church, you're going to find the mind of God for yourself, in your heart, in your life. When you have a revelation of who God is, it changes who we see ourselves. The Bible says that all of a sudden Zeraphim came to Isaiah, he touched them, he touched them with, with, with a coal from the altar of incense, and all of a sudden the Bible says that Isaiah was a new man, his guilt had, was, it was gone, he was ready to serve God, and all of a sudden he began to hear the voice of God, I know this is going to happen on this fast, where you hear the voice of God, and all of a sudden God said, he said in the temple, he said, who shall I send, who will go? Isaiah heard it with clarity. Isaiah heard it every word, every nuance. Isaiah heard every single thing of that sentence. Isaiah said, God, God, send me, send me. I will go. I will go, God. God, here I am. God, I will go. I will go. I will go. Oh, man. That is awesome. Here I am, I will go. I will go whatever you have for me this year. That's what Isaiah was saying, God, whatever you have, I will go.